0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 1010 10, AM on the 10th of June, 2020. This is is episode number 249 of Bitcoin and I am one step away from hitting that 250 mark. 250 episodes, not terrible, right? Okay, so um, what do we want to start out today with? Well, I want to start out today with uh, hedge fund manager Kyle Bass is uh, kind of making a, I think he's going to short the Hong Kong currency. Pretty sure that's going to be his position. I've been talking about what's going on in Hong Kong. The looting has begun. A couple of days ago, I talked about, or I read a story to you guys uh, that concerned the fact that there's a whole bunch of people that made their bread and butter billionaires in tech and finance and what have you in Hong Kong are bowing to the Chinese Communist Party. Now, when that happens, uh, they're instituting some kind of national security law Uh, when that happens i really think that there's going to be a, a massive outflow of wealth from Hong Kong. i really do i think these guys are just buying time to figure out how they're going to get themselves their family and all their money and loot out of hong kong because i'll bet you that they're not sure if they're going to be able to keep it or not well I apparently ain't the only one who thinks shit's going to go south real quick for Hong Kong. Let's listen to what Mr. Bass has to say about all this. Eric, Carl Bass is reportedly going all out on his bet that the Hong Kong dollar peg will collapse. A famous China bear, of course. What do we know about this bet?
1: Yeah, the interesting thing with this bet is uh, some of the, some of the market are calling this uh, maybe looking at this as a bit of a lottery ticket. Uh, he's uh, reportedly starting up a fund that's going to take as much as 200 to one leverage uh, bearish bets on the Hong Kong currency collapsing. Now, of course, the Hong Kong dollar has had a long-standing peg against the U.S. dollar going back to the 1980s, and it's weathered um, some pretty significant. Uh, uh, turbulence over that time. Of course, we got the handover in 1997. We've had multiple global financial crises in Asia and around the world, and the peg has stood tall. Uh, financial Secretary Paul Chan has been vocal, uh, again, in his support of the peg and the importance of the peg for the Hong Kong currency. Uh, he notes uh, that even with the added tensions, uh, there is some concern um, if we see some sanctions from the U.S., that that might affect their ability to defend the the PEG. But he has said that again, the Hong Kong government stands ready to defend the Peg and he expects the Chinese government to be able to back that up. So the on the looks of it, the Hong Kong currency looks continues to look strong. In fact it's been trading at the strong end of the of the range for a while now and the HKMA has actually had to sell some Hong Kong currency to keep it from going past the strong end of the range. So at the moment, the currency looks strong, but again, with lottery tickets, you never know.
0: Well, I wouldn't call it a sure thing by any stretch of the imagination, but lottery ticket, I would probably not be uh, calling it. The notion that the Chinese Communist Party will defend the Hong Kong peg against the United States, the holler, I think is a little bit. Rushed. Honestly, I, <laughs> well, you know, You know, it's not like you guys don't know what what the hell's going on out there. But anyway, so Kyle Bass is looking at God, you know, and it's like the minute he said 200 to one leverage, all I could think of was uh, that dude in the Seychelles that wrecks everybody's lives on 100x leverage on BitMEX. Was it Arthur Hayes? That's who I'm thinking of, Arthur Hayes. Okay, let's just, let's let's, let's get on with the uh, rest of what's going on in the community. I got a... uh, uh, or picked up a tweet last night from a woman named Elsa Ramon. Uh, she is at Elsa Ramon on air. She apparently used to be, let's see, let me just check on this. Um, she's in LA. Uh, she's got two Emmy Awards. Uh, she used to be on CBS LA and now she's sharing stories about the social impacts of blockchain and crypto in the United States and abroad. Okay, so apparently she used to be a news anchor. Got a couple of Emmys under her belt, not bad. So, what does she have to say? Well, she's a little pissed. Uh, She says, This is last night or yesterday afternoon, rather. Wow, I just took a check written to me from a client who banks at Bank of America to Bank of America to cash it. They wanted to charge me to cash it because I don't bank there. It's a Bank of America check written by their Bank of America customer. Another case. For hashtag Bitcoin, and yeah, she's like. It seems like she's all in. What's funny about it is that Bank of America uh, like responded to her and says, "Hello, Elsa. We understand your concern. Please click on the link below to connect with our social care team." Thanks, Mark. Yeah, we're kind of not in this uh, to bring you along for the ride, uh, Bank of America or any of you other guys. We're kind of we're kind of done with this is what happens when we're, what we're doing here is is wiping the dust off of our feet that is a very that's a very old biblical term uh it's kind of an insult so take it for what you want also uh Robin hood investors strike again <clears throat> apparently uh i got this one out of uh bitcoin idaho He's also known as Duncan, or at Duncan, uh, I-855, the whole thing. But he's retweeting this thing from George Gammon, and that is at George Gammon, or Gammon, however you want to pronounce it. People are literally using unemployment checks to buy stock of companies who have already filed bankruptcy. Does this usually happen at the beginning of a new bull market? How is this not obvious to everyone? Yeah, Tesla, from what I understand, hit $1,000 today. Not the bank, you know, they're, they're not the ones in bankruptcy, but Hertz, uh, the Whitmore Oil or uh, Petroleum Company, uh, like all these things are like hitting these highs. I'm seeing a whole lot of traffic uh, in my feeds today about Robinhood investors and idiots that don't know what the hell they're doing, taking whatever money they can find, wherever they can find it, and they're buying... Bankrupt companies. Yeah, again, stock market not looking good. It it may appear that you know that way on the surface, but just because somebody's in the critical care unit and they're breathing doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to survive. That's what we have. We have a world economy that's on life support. Please, please, for the love of God, be careful out there. Let's get into the morning roundup. We got this one from the Daily Hodel staff writing for the Daily Hodel some time yesterday. A bombshell report shows 36% of institutional investors already own crypto assets such as Bitcoin and other shit. Coins. Actually, they say Ethereum, but whatever. A new survey from the global asset management giant, Fidelity, shows 36% of institutional investors already own crypto assets. Four out of five investors who are not yet in the market say they're interested in holding cryptocurrency in the future and find at least one aspect of the emerging technology appealing. Quote: Almost 80% of institutional investors find something appealing about digital assets, with three almost equally compelling characteristics across United States and European investors being, uncorrelated to other asset classes, an innovative technology play, and high potential upside." Fidelity, which offers exposure to Bitcoin through its subsidiary, Fidelity Digital Assets, says the result of the survey lines up with the demand it's seeing from clients. Quote, these results confirmed a trend we are seeing in the market towards greater interest in and acceptance of digital assets as a new investable asset class. This is evident in the evolving composition of our client pipeline, which spans from crypto native funds to pensions in quote. I remember, was it last week that Goldman Sachs said that it's not an asset class? Yeah, Goldman Sachs better get the shit together or they are going to be dinosaurs. And honestly, I don't think there's anything that they can do at this point. I think we're again, this is kicking off the dust. The dust off our shoes of the old financial and bullshit system that we've had to be slaves for for years. Continuing, according to the report, more than a quarter of about 800 high net worth investors surveyed said they own BTC, and 11% said they own ETH. <laughs> Despite the impressive results of the survey, Fidelity notes that investors still have concerns. About the young and volatile industry, that's good. You should have concerns about something this new. Quote, among the obstacles to digital asset adoption cited were price volatility, concerns around market manipulation, and lack of fundamentals to gauge appropriate value. Okay, so there you go. The The takeaway here is that apparently institutional money has already come in. We keep, That's been like sort of, a, that was a rallying call in 2016, 17, and 18 is Waiting on institutional money. Well, it's been coming in all the time, so there you go. Let's get into this one, also from Daily Hodel. U.S. Marshals hiring crypto expert to manage massive Bitcoin, Bcash, Ethereum, and Litecoin holdings. They're HODLers, I guess. I don't know. Find out. This was written sometime yesterday. The United States Marshall Service is ramping up its search for an expert to help organize a trove of crypto assets, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bcash, and Litecoin. The agency is now looking for a contractor who can help seize, maintain, store, sell, and dispose pr- proceeds from illegal activities recovered from criminals who, in, who turn to virtual assets because of the perceived anonymity and privacy of transactions. The USMS is also offering details on just how much cryptocurrency it holds. Here's a look at a three-year average of its crypto portfolio featuring more than $65 million in Bitcoin and a pathetic $9 million in Ethereum. Jesus, even the United States Marshal Service doesn't want this shit. The agency wants a manager who can handle the intricacies of crypto asset management, such as creating wallets, managing blockchain forks, and transferring tokens. Quote, This includes, but is not limited to, such activities as accounting, customer management, audit compliance, managing blockchain forks, wallet creation and management, private encryption key generation and safekeeping, backup and recovery of private encryption key material, airdrops, etc., as well as future actions associated with the virtual currency forfeiture process, end quote. The contract will be for one year, but can be extended for an additional four years if necessary. So you're going to go in, you're going to go do all this stuff for the United States Marshal Service, and then they're going to be done in a year. I don't think these people actually know what the hell they're doing. So, but just to be more, a little bit more clear about what, what they're holding, they see the United States Marshal Service has in their possession the following 6,754 Bitcoin, five thousand five hundred thirty-nine 2,224 B gold. Amazingly, I keep forgetting that that's even a thing. They have forty, yeah, forty thousand Ethereum, and then they have seven thousand five hundred in Litecoin, and that totals sixty-five, right around sixty-five million dollars worth of cryptocurrency. So, United States Marshal Service getting in the game. Uh, Mister Mister Sue uh, says that he has applied for the job. I hope he gets it. I really do because it would be fun to have that that level of infiltration and that bring, that brings something to mind. Infiltration into these situations is not a terrible idea. It's just not. I mean, if you're going to if you know how to do this shit and they're going to pay you for it, you might as well. And then while you're there, you know, do what they tell you to you know, do what they tell you to do, okay? But while you're there, do your best to turn everybody that you come into contact into a Bitcoiner, right? Like a virus. You just kind of touch them and then they go, oh, I get it now. Again, instead of like you know, us shying away from job postings like this, honestly, if, like the Fed- if the Federal Reserve posts up something for cryptocurrency as a Bitcoiner, apply for that job. Do it. I mean, the hell. The worst thing that they can do is say no. Best thing that they can do is hire your ass and you take your infection into the heart of the beast. Speaking of the beast, this one got stabbed in the heart and apparently is dying. Bitmain struggle continues as ousted CEO reportedly halts ASIC deliveries. Wow, Coin Telegraph's Andre Shevchenko is writing this one. For Cointelegraph three hours ago, Bitmain's operations in Shenzhen are reportedly being disrupted as McCree's John forbade shipments of mining devices following his recent takeover of the Beijing office. What the hell is going on here, guys? McCree was ousted. How did he take over an office? This, I, I swear that a movie should be made of, of this entire clown show. So, let's look at this. After physically taking over the Beijing Bitmain office, ousted CEO McCree Zahn is reportedly regaining control and is blocking the delivery of Bitmain products from its Shenzhen factory. According to sources of Chinese publication Blockbeats, Zahn issued an order prohibiting employees from shipping products to Bitmain's customers. The reason for doing so remains unclear. As Coin Telegraph previously reported, Zon appears to have reobtained the legal representative position of the Bitmain mainland China subsidiary, which is formula- formerly owned by a Hong Kong holding, which remains under the control of Jihan Wu. A statement coming from Jihan Wu's side of the company on June 9 sought to reassure employees that the situation is under control. The co-founder said that they are solving the situation through legal channels referring to unspecified damages caused by Zon. The rest of the statement reassures employees that all damages they may suffer will be compensated by Bitmain and urges them to work together to protect Bitmain. The statement appears to be a reflection of the long-standing feud between Zahn and Wu who seek to gain the support of the company's employees. The confrontation between Zahn and Wu began in October of 2019, when the latter proclaimed to have returned to Bitmain's helm to save the ship, ousting Zahn. Zahn claimed that this was done in an illegal manner and subsequently began a long battle to return to the helm of the company, launching multiple lawsuits in the process. The situation appears to have taken a turn for the worse for Wu in May, after reports came out that a brawl erupted in Beijing to snatch the company's official seal. Different reports suggest that this was more of a heated confrontation rather than an outright brawl, however. At the end of May, Bitmain issued a statement that simply reaffirmed Zahn's ousting, which suggested that the situation was not as secure as it seemed. Recent actions in June saw Zahn gain ground in the confrontation as he resorted to force and now appears to have gained enough control to at least partially disrupt Bitmain's operations, which was until then working normally. Well, okay, that's the end of that, but it really wasn't working normally i don't i don't include having like what was it 40 percent of the s17s uh fail on installation as a normal you know normal working situation for a company i just don't second again what the hell i mean what did zon do did he just like bust in like freaking rambo with like machine guns on both arms into the beijing office and say yeehaw i'm in control again think about this you know from a lack of a better term from the position of a civilized situation i mean how do you get fired from a company and then just walk into an office take control pick up the phone call shipping and tell them dude hold hold all orders don't ship anything how think about how that would work and when you realize how What would have to happen for that shit to occur? Then you realize what a shit show Bitmain really is. I expect the Robinhood investors to buy this uh, immediately after they file bankruptcy. The Bitcoin Millionaires Club is growing again. This one is written by Daniel Phillips sometime this morning for Decrypt.co. While the numbers of addresses holding more than 100 Bitcoin is down since March, it's starting to pick up again as Bitcoin nears $10,000. Um, excuse me, pardon me, the number of Bitcoin addresses holding more than 100 Bitcoin has increased by 43% in the last five days. No, I'm sorry. 43 addresses, not 43% more. Okay. Sorry. That was my mistake. In the last five days, five days, 43 more addresses came online that are holding hundred Bitcoin. That that's a lot. Okay, so the total number has broken above 15,950 addresses holding 100 Bitcoin. Ah, dang, man. At current values, 100 Bitcoin is worth $970,000, meaning that anyone holding slightly more than this amount is a Bitcoin millionaire. For context, this number doesn't necessarily mean that they are just shy of 16,000 Bitcoin millionaires. It's a measure of how many Bitcoin wallets hold a minimum of this account. Many of the wallets are likely owned by exchanges which pool their funds together. According to data from analytics platform Santiment, the number of accounts containing 100 Bitcoin or more bounced back up recently when Bitcoin rallied from 9,500 to 9,750. However, the number has fallen considerably since March when there was a large market crash. Around this time, there was a sudden spike in the number of large Bitcoin addresses rising to 16,250 before plunging below Fifteen thousand nine hundred fifty in a week, according to BidInfo charts. There are now 15, or fifteen hundred sixty five addresses holding more than ten million dollars worth of Bitcoin. The single wealthiest Bitcoin address is managed by the Singapore-based cryptocurrency exchange Huobi and holds a balance of two hundred and fifty five thousand five hundred and two BTC, equivalent to around one point four percent of the circulating supply. It contains more than double the next wallet size. So, yeah, more hundred Bitcoin wallets coming online. But having 1.4% of the entire circulating supply held by that one exchange kind of gives me the willies. But it it is what it is. You just got to deal with it. I mean, like I can bitch and moan about them holding 1.4% until the world looks level. Guess how that's going to change that percentage? It ain't. Whatever, 4,000 Chinese bank accounts reportedly frozen due to crypto connections. This is uh, Adrian Zmunsky writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. About 4,000 Chinese bank accounts of over-the-counter cryptocurrency traders were allegedly frozen by law enforcement. According to a June 8th report by 8BTC, police froze the bank accounts of thousands of over-the-counter traders from the Chinese province of Guangdong. This purportedly comes as part of a wider investigation into illegal activities such as gambling and money laundering, which ABTC states have been commonly facilitated by crypto OTC trading with the stablecoin Tether. Yay! Per the report, authorities started freezing the bank accounts on June the 4th. One retail investor reportedly found his bank account frozen after buying cryptocurrency on a major credible crypto exchange. Frozen accounts are not guaranteed to be involved in illicit activities and can supposedly be restored after an analysis of their activities reveals no wrongdoing. God, it's like, have, it's like all of us are in preschool for the, our, the entirety of our lives. It's ridiculous. Local law enforcement is purportedly learning blockchain analysis skills in order to track on-chain crypto asset transactions. You guys are 10 years behind. Cryptocurrency transactions... Cannot be stopped by authorities, and crypto wallets do not need to be linked to personal identities like bank accounts are. Because of these features, crypto is occasionally used by tech-savvy criminals for money laundering purposes. As Cointelegraph reported in late February, threat intelligence firm Insights claimed that cryptocurrencies are increasingly being used for money laundering in Latin America. In May, an Australian woman was arrested after selling BTC for cash. She is accused of having run a money laundering operation since 2017. Uh, no, her real crime is selling Bitcoin for cash. Oh, that was just a, that's just stupid. Let's, let's do some vitals. Traditional markets are mixed. We got the S&P 500 down half a percent. NASDAQ is up over a, th- uh, a, qu- uh, a third of a percent. Dow Jones is down almost a point. FTSE is off by scant. Nikkei is up by scant. Hang Seng scant. Everything is just, just like there's just nothing going on, man. Uh, bonds are mixed. We've got the U.S. three-month has risen. The German 10-year has risen. The Japan 10-year has risen. They're actually looking a lot better than they have been in a long time, honestly. Everything else is down. Oil is down by a point. Its last was $38.57 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. Natural gas rallied a little bit. Well, it's not even. Come on. Up a half point. Uh, Its last was $1.77 per thousand cubic feet. Gold meh everything is just meh let's ah god boring as shit let's look at actual money here bitcoin is at nine thousand seven hundred and sixty six looks like our high is going to be over at bit asset nine thousand eight hundred and forty five while our low appears to be at simex hundred and thirty-eight. Forty or three hundred and forty thousand transactions were conducted in the last 24 hours giving us 14,000 transactions on average per per hour 1.26 million BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours 52,700 BTC are being sent on average per hour and the average transaction value is 7 or 3.7 BTC median transaction value is still high 0.046 BTC right around 450 bucks Oh, block time is low, 8 minutes and 22 seconds. We have 0.2 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis, and 36 BTC has been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a 4.5% bump in hash rate. That brings us up to 114 exahashes per second. That's according to BitInfo charts. And the last time nobody even looked at uh, making a commit on GitHub was sometime yesterday. Ethereum is at 244, Bcash at 254, BSV at 192, Litecoin at 46, Ethereum Classic at six and three quarters, and Dogecoin holding at 0.0026. 44,500 transactions in the last 24 hours has it on top of Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and Bcash. So there you go. Let's see what uh, my node has to say about hash rate. I'm looking at a daily average of 117 exahashes per second with a weekly average of 116.8 exahashes per second. It does appear that there are only 1,500 pending transactions in my mempool. Uh, Block time is confirmed on my node at 8 minutes and 31 seconds. So let's see what Clark Moody has to say about all this. Uh, clark or bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash d- dashboard has the mempool at or his mempool or whoever he's drawing from at 1,800 uh, trans 1,816 transactions there that will be cleared within three blocks and the mempool si- or a my mem- his mempool size is 2.21 megabytes my god that's so Total capacity is 930 BTC in the Lightning Network. That gives the Lightning Network $9 million in liquidity, spread over 7,200 nodes. That represents 36,204 channels. Uh, We have a Tor capacity tick up again, 420 BTCs. 420, bro. Uh, That gives the percentage of the Tor capacity of Lightning Network uh, ticking up one or a tenth of a percent to land at 45.2%. We have 2,089 Tor nodes. That's going to do a revival. Former Coinbase chief lawyer sells $4.6 million in stock. Brian Brooks, formerly chief legal officer at Coinbase, sold his stock when he took up a government job this month. This is written by Robert Stevens sometime this morning for Decrypt.ca. Let's see what chicanery we have going on here. Brian Brooks who used to head the legal department of crypto exchange, Coinbase liquidated $4.6 million worth of Coinbase stock when he left the company, reported Bloomberg citing disclosure documents. Brooks, now the acting head of the Office of Comptroller of the Currency, the head regulator of the United States banks, earned $1.4 million as salary in his position at Coinbase, which he held for a year and a half. That means, including the stock he was given, He made $6 million total from his time at Coinbase. Working for the state, he now earns under $300,000 a year. Though, given the prestige of his role, he won't find it difficult to find a better-paying gig. His predecessor, Joseph Otting, left to join Black Knight Incorporated, a software company that services the mortgage industry. Brooks is currently awaiting Senate confirmation Which requires a nomination from the United States President Donald Trump, Brooks has sworn to avoid conflicts of interest with other tech companies he's worked for, though plans to open up banking charters for tech firms at his new job, reported Bloomberg. At Coinbase, Brooks oversaw the rise of the crypto exchange and helped set up the Crypto Ratings Council, a toothless, industry-led organization that examined whether various cryptocurrencies constituted securities under U.S. law. If it is judged that tokens were likely to constitute securities, it was a warning to other crypto exchanges that they might not want to list them, lest they be sued. However, the conclusions of the Crypto Rating Council did not constitute legal advice, were vague and nondescript, and did not necessarily reflect the views of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Quote, Markets have uncertainty. We're trying to bring more certainty. in quote, Brooks told Decrypt at the time. It appears that Brooks has brought his I can't pronounce that. Welt not to his new job, too. I don't know. I'm not even going to look. Um, okay, so I've said it before. We're trying to get away from this. This is what we've been trying to get away from is this kind of bullshit. And What kind of bullshit am I talking about is the revolving door between industry and government. This has been going on for decades. It's like places that you just pick one USDA. United States Department of Agriculture. You cannot imagine the revolving door between uh, tech or ag tech firms like Monsanto, uh, Bear Crop Sciences, and the USDA. It's, it's sickening, is what it is. And here we are again with the same damn attitude, the same damn absolutely no regard for ethics, just money, money, money. And We're trying to get away from it, or that's what many of us are trying to do. If we can keep our feet to the fire, we may be able to get to the other side of all this shit, but with people like Brooks and Coinbase walking around doing the same crap that the people that have gotten us in this mess may or were doing for decades before, it's going to be difficult. I mean, these, these people are the enemy. They're in our midst. And again, this goes back to me saying, if you find a crypto job in in government and you're a Bitcoiner, apply for it. Apply for the damn job. Get in there and do the reverse of, the, of instead of them infecting us with their bullshit, how about we infect them with our bullshit? Because our, I, I guarantee you, our shit doesn't stink anywhere close to as bad as what's been going on. But moving on, Etoro CEO predicts market crash within three weeks. Is Bitcoin a safe haven? This is written by William Suberg for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. The largest cryptocurrency's gradual decoupling from st- stocks may see a major test in the coming weeks, warns eToro's Yanni Asya. I am hoping I'm saying that right. The CEO of, or rather, in a series of tweets on June the 11th, Yanni Asya, CEO of eToro, forecast a crash coming in the next three weeks, arguing that recent stock's growth was speculative in nature. Asya said that a correction was now due. Quote, there is a crash coming soon in the equities market in the next three weeks. Someone, not sure whom, is going to sell or short their positions and crash the markets, he wrote. Buyers, beware, caveat, impetor. Mm-hmm. The grim alert follows weeks of unusually buoyant growth in stocks, which have gained despite ongoing coronavirus measures and the United States mass protest. At the same time, Bitcoin has increasingly decoupled from macro market movements, providing a viable safe haven for those wishing to escape the risk. The S&P 500 gained around 400 points in May and now sits at around 3,200 points, less than 200 points below its position in early March. At the height of the crash, the index fell to lows of 2,232 points. Bitcoin has meanwhile become the best performing macro asset in the second quarter with returns of more than 50%. (laughs) As Cointelegraph reported, suspicions over stocks have long come from Bitcoin proponents who argue that the state intervention in the form of buybacks is creating artificial competition on the market. Three months after the initial mass crash in March, such interventions are only gathering momentum and the European Central Bank to be the latest to double the size of its stimulus plans. Asiya, meanwhile, stopped short of suggesting his warning was financial advice for any investor. Quote, just to clarify, I believe we will have a correction since this rally seems to be fueled by speculation of retail investors. Historically, these rallies end with a correction. He continued, quote, on the other hand, Money is being printed in unprecedented amounts, and interest rates are zero. 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 It's going to zero, man. Again, this I talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, this is not just the Robin Hood folks buying terrible companies, either out of ignorance, uh, unit cost bias? I don't know. There's no way to tell exactly what's going on there. But what has been going on, even before this mess broke out, is really cheap money being borrowed from the Fed or the Treasury, however this works when you're up in, in these the upper echelons of business. Buying or borrowing shit tons of cash and then buying your own stock back on the open market was going on for a co- at least a few years and it really started accelerating before this whole coronavirus and then the george floyd thing and all it was already going on and it was already sickening we you could look at the valuations of these companies and upon liquidation you wouldn't get a 1 100th of what they said that they were actually valued at and it's just sick and now you got retail rushing in with a Robinhood app that's just throwing fuel on the fire. This will not end well. I suspect that we might very well see a cardiac arrest of the patient that is over there in room five of critical care. So be aware. Now, <clears throat> this is interesting. A practice exam in China just asked students about Bitcoin mining. This is decrypt.co. It's being brought to you by forecast.news staff. So they're apparently having a little guest appearance over here on decrypt. This was, however, written today. China's Gaokao exams are just around the corner, and questions about Bitcoin mining are cropping up on students' practice papers. <clears throat> Every year, 10 million students take China's National College Entrance Examination known locally as the Gaokao, or it might be Gaokao, I don't know how to pronounce this, G-A-O-K-A-O. Students preparing for this year's grueling exam, scheduled for July 7th and 8th, could well be asked to analyze the economic geography of the Bitcoin mining industry. A leading education publisher's mock-up Gaokao exam has a question that asks the students to provide an analysis of why Bitcoin mining Would be clustered in the province of Sichuan according to a screenshot of the paper. Students are given some context of the province's geography, rich in hydropower. The infrastructure is overbuilt for the population base, and plenty of hydropower is wasted. From there, students are asked to analyze why Bitcoin mines or mining operations would want to operate in the area and how seasonality would affect the industry. Talk about the rainy season. Two students that spoke to forecast. Said, or it's forecast. I love that. Okay, the the people that are writing this for Decrypt is the forecast.news. Forecast is spelled F O R K A S T. Fork. Get it? Ah. Two students that spoke to forecast said that the question was a fairly easy one, and the theme of economic geography comes up every year. Uh, Though the context of Bitcoin mining was a topical twist on an old theme, other reports from local media in China indicate that Bitcoin mining has appeared as a topic in other publishers' exam prep books, with questions ranging from defining how the process works to exploring issues like pollution and e-waste. As the Gaokao is written by an enormous cross-section of Chinese society— like the USA's SAT or the United Kingdom's A-level exams, the questions asked become deeply rooted in the broader cultural zeitgeist of young people. They're also considered to be a barometer of the most important political topics at all levels of government. For example, the civics section of 2007's Gaokao focused heavily on the 11th Five-Year Plan, a quinquennial set of economic and development initiatives presented to China's Congress, On 2014's test, the Belt and Road Initiative, introduced earlier that year to drive economic growth in China, took center stage. In 2020, Bitcoin mining has been elevated to the same level. As the industry becomes more established in China, it's something educators believe that young people should know about. Yeah, you're damn right they should know about it. So, yeah, but that's neat. I mean, like I I like what these uh, students said, that this was an easy analysis, and it is. You got... Hydropower that's going to waste, therefore it's cheap. You have it in an area of China that gets annual rains, which the only thing that they can do is let the water out of the dams and generate a whole lot more hydropower, which drives the power, power prices down even cheaper. That's why you want to be there. The only problem is, is that I watched last year's rainy season Wipe out an entire section of a Bitcoin mine, literally laying waste to thousands of ASIC miners, just ripped them right out of the building, ripped the building out of the ground and took that son of a bitch all the way downstream. So, this geography is, well, not to be taken lightly. Let's just let's just say that. <laughs> all right. Okay. Where are we at? Uh, not with Bitcoin. Rumor ECB eyeing $500 billion debt quarantine in bad bank. Bitcoiners, this is me talking, Bitcoiners call this a burn address. You'll see why. Coin Telegraph's William Suberg is writing this one very early this morning. Coronavirus will inflate the EU bad debt mountain and banks should be shielded while an official speaks highly of so-called bad banks. The European, Central Union, or the European Central Bank may be fearing default as r- rumors circulate that it plans to plant at least half a trillion euros of bad debt in a bad bank. As Reuters reported on June the 10th, citing two people familiar with the matter, the ECB now wants to quarantine its financial junk. See why I'm calling it a burn address? The reason, the sources say, is that rising unemployment may fuel the risk of mass defaulting on debt obligations. Even excluding the coronavirus unemployment surge, the Eurozone already has $500, or $500 billion of debt, which it is unlikely to be repaid at all. This includes credit cards, loans, and mortgages, Reuters notes. The ECB declined to confirm the plans, which it had previously considered several years ago, but shelved, quote, or rather, a bad bank would allegedly protect other fragile lenders from the full brunt of coronavirus-related economic misery. It could take the form of an asset management company, something which the ECB spokesman appeared to be in favor of when asked this week. Quote, I have been very supportive of asset management companies. I think they are useful. Chief Bank Supervisor Andrea Anira said in a press conference on the topic of bad banks, Anira added, Quote, many of these schemes have ended up in the black, making profits. Buy, buy, buy. Of course, let's buy it all. Let's buy it all, man. The plans follow the ECB doubling its coronavirus stimulus measures to $1.35 trillion in the United States this week. The Federal Reserve will meet to set out a roadmap for handling the economic fallout from the crisis. Print <laughs> more money. The Fed has been... Unprecedented in its money printing since March, Cointelegraph noting that its balance sheet now stands at $7.16 trillion, up $3 trillion in months, or three months in fact. One analyst analyst speaking to the Financial Times said that the market was, quote, hungry for guidance from the Fed amid fears of a second wave of coronavirus infections and that paradoxical laissez-faire attitude to social distancing taken by authorities during the ongoing United States protest. Spiraling debt for, forms one of the main arguments for hard money such as Bitcoin. Central banks' ability to print money without backing is an impossible idea for the largest cryptocurrency, as for network participants to agree they would need to accept a decline in the value of their own savings. Fiat inflation comes in stark contrast to Bitcoin's reducing supply, which one analyst likened to a flattening coronavirus infection curve this week. All right, so what is- what does it all mean? Well, the ECB is has so much bad debt that they literally have to send it to a burn address. That's what they're doing. It's just a burn address. I still don't. I I still don't get. So there's something that I just don't understand about when you get to this level. It's not how you got here. It's the fact that you immediately just don't trip out and and just erase the debt. It's, it's almost as if it's impossible for creatures of government and high finance to look at these instruments and understand that what they've done to them is destroy them. Yet their legality is still so strong in their minds that they have to park this shit into a burning building instead of just saying, you know what, we're just going to dissolve it, eh, that, whatever. So it's, it's weird. You can easily destroy fiat currency. You can easily destroy economies by pumping just bad money into it, but you cannot easily extinguish that because the legal form of it is much stronger than the value form of it. I find that fascinating, but we still have one more story to read. First mover Bitcoin bulls might get negative rates from central banks, just not the Fed. This is written today by. Patty Baker, and Amkar Godbul for Coindesk.com. As Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell steers United States monetary policymakers away from negative interest rates, he risks becoming increasingly isolated among the world's top central bankers. Officials in the UK, Europe, and New Zealand are reportedly considering the once unthinkable strategy of pushing interest rates below zero, Seen as a form of economic stimulus, and Bitcoin might be a beneficiary of looser, looser monetary policy outside the U.S., even if the Fed never joins its foreign counterparts. The divergence over the issue shows just how challenged central bankers are as they struggle to find consistent strategies for healing economics or economies devastated by the coronavirus and related lockdowns, The World Bank on Monday forecast global output will tumble by 5.2% this year, the worst recession since World War II. With the situation so dire, more central bankers are willing to consider negative interest rates, which encourage people to spend money by making it more costly to deposit money in a bank account as a viable monetary policy tool. United States President Donald Trump joined the chorus last month tweeting that as long as other countries are receiving the benefits of negative rates, the USA should also accept the gift and gift is in quotes. It's a gift to you because as, as what Krugman says, debt is money that you owe to yourself. It's a gift people. It's a, it's unlikely Powell will change his tune now, with Federal Reserve policymakers scheduled on Wednesday to announce the outcome of this week's two-day closed-door meeting. So far, the Fed's response to economic crisis has been to cut interest rates to zero, roll out emergency lending programs, and inject trillions of dollars of new money into the financial system via asset purchases, i.e., stock market equities and bonds and shit. As recently as last month, Powell said top Fed officials do not see negative policy rates as likely to be an appropriate policy response here in the U.S. Bitcoin prices do appear to have risen in sync with this year's announcements of new stimulus measures. According to the cryptocurrency research firm Delphi Digital, Bitcoin began to flirt with the psychological $10,000 price threshold last week as the European Central Bank and Bank of Japan Ramped up their asset purchasing programs by a combined 1.5 trillion dollars, and now the drumbeats are starting for negative rates. Last month, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey raised hackles when he told a parliamentary parliamentary select committee that negative interest rates were under active review for the very first time in the bank's 324-year history. The week before he had explicitly ruled out the possibility. Let's let's just take a pause. I want to read that one again. Negative interest rates were under active review for the very first time in the bank's 324-year history, and the week before, it had explicitly ruled that possibility out. In one week, a 324-year-old institution changed its mind. I'm telling you, this is on life support. I don't know what people think is going on with the stock market in the United States, but I don't think it means what you think it means. Not you guys. I think you guys get it. I just, I like normies, will tell you. Just look at the NASDAQ. It, it's, it's erased all or the S&P or the NASDAQ, I can't remember which, has erased all of its uh, losses for the year. All of them, they're just gone. Nothing happened. Bullshit. This is, what did they call it? Toxic. This is a toxic debt that's been circulating in the bloodstream of the world's economy for decades, but it really got bad in 2008, Right. So that's when we first heard about toxic debt. Yeah, those toxins build up. If you, if, you don't bleed, if you don't bleed this shit out or get, I don't know, get on some kind of dialysis or something and it's in your bloodstream, it just builds and builds and builds. And then you start getting organ failure. After or, any kind of organ failure that becomes kind of like bad uh, and not reversible starts what's called cascade failure where it's just system after system after system starts shutting down. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I'm, if I was a betting man, and I ain't, which is why I don't trade this shit, um, <clears throat> I would probably bet for the fact that we're going to see some kind of cascade failure. I don't see this. I don't see us getting out of this, but I've said that before. I didn't think we were going to get out of 2008, but we did. Although, the real question is, did we? I don't know. Man. The whole thing is just confusing. I mean, for 324 years, this bank has never done this. And within one week of saying they're not going to do it again, in uh, holding with their 324-year history, here we are. Boom. Well, we'll we'll think about it. It was under active review. <clears throat> Continuing, then there's the European Central Bank, led by President Christine Lagarde, which opted last week to expand its stimulus measures by 600 billion euros. But central bank now analysts still forecast an 8.5% contraction in the euro area this year. An ECB board member, Isabel Schnabel, said Tuesday that cutting rates below zero, quote, remains an option. Quote, our experience with negative interest rates has been positive, the German economist said in a Twitter Q&A, according to Reuters. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand said last month that negative rates could become an option in the future, possibly as early as 2021. Central banks' dalliances with negative interest rates in the mid-2010s didn't seem to affect Bitcoin's price, but the digital asset has grown since then with a the market capitalization that's roughly 20 times where it stood when the ECB went negative in 2014. And while analysts in the past claimed that Bitcoin was uncorrelated with the most traditional of assets, recent price action has shown an increase in connection between the cryptocurrency and broader economic and market developments. Bitcoin is now increasingly regarded as a hedge against inflation, and negative rates represent an aggressive form of monetary policy easing that could ultimately help to push up consumer prices. Another school of thought says that if banks tried to set deposit rates at negative levels, many customers would just pull their money out to avoid charges. Rather than keeping cash under the mattress, some might instead decide to store the value as Bitcoin in a digital wallet More broadly, negative rates might simply highlight how experimental monetary policymaking has become in the coronavirus era. Stack funds, a Bitcoin index index provider, wrote in a report last month. Quote, by being in Bitcoin, you're opting into transparency, Lewis Harlan, founder of analytics site Formal Verification, told Coindesk. And they have a little tweet here that says is from Bell at Bella BF or Mrs. Bitcoin. Actually, that's Miss Bitcoin. MS Bitcoin. The Fed can't print more Bitcoin and truer words were never spoken. So I, that's the end of the article. But dudes, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I really, you know, I'm actually looking at this graph. Hold on for a second. Oh my. Okay. I'm looking at the, this graph. It is Federal Reserve interest rates from the years 2011 to present day and the source is macrotrends and so the timeline as usual is on the x axis going from left to right on the y axis is the percentage and if you look if you look at the way the graph is is drawn I shit you not it looks very similar to the wood carvings that were used to be that were used in the printing of Dante's Purgatory, not not Dante's Inferno, not Dante's Paradiso, Dante's Purgatory. He wrote three books. Okay, he went to Hell, and then he went to Purgatory, and then he went to Paradise, and it's a you know each book is about each one of those experiences. <clears throat> purgatory looks like a mountain that is terraced, and so like whereas Hell was a pit with concentric rings around it that. Were also terraced going down. Purgatory is the inverse of that. And it looks like a mountain going up with concentric circles becoming smaller and smaller as you get to the peak. And I shit you not, this graph looks a lot like that from 2016. Let's see, it's going from the Federal Reserve rate or interest rate was 0.2%. Actually, it was like 0.1. And then it jumped to 0.4% and then to 0.7, and then to, what was it, 0.9, and then to almost 1.2, to 1.4, and then each time it just flattens out. And all I'm saying is that it looks eerily similar to purgatory, and I guarantee you that's kind of where we're at. We're in purgatory. Life support. It's this this this, this stasis between the evil and good, light and dark, you know, hell and, and paradise. Okay, Purgatory is not where you, when I used to go ski, or whenever I was skiing a lot, I would always go to a place in Colorado called Purgatory. And I always used to think that Purgatory, oh, I'm in Purgatory, and it's awesome. Yeah, you might want to read Dante's Purgatory. Purgatory is not the place to be. You either want to be straight up in hell, or you want to be straight up in paradise, but you do not want to be in Purgatory. Because it's like this, never ending. I, we don't know what's going on. And that's what purgatory kind of is either, whether you're on life support and you're in and out of consciousness and you're like, or like the economy of the world is right now, or, you know, you're completely and totally attentive and salient and awake. And you realize that you're either in heaven or, or, or hell. Purgatory is, honestly, there are some people that contend that purgatory is the worst place to be and that hell would actually be better. Sometimes I tend to agree, but I'll you know, be that as it may. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. <laughs> Daily train wreck brought to you by Randy McMillan. Well, he didn't do it. He, 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 he's not the one that made the train wreck. He was the one that recognized the train wreck. And he sent me a, he sent me a a picture and it kind of took me a while. It was a, a screenshot of a transaction hash, and I'm like looking through it. And it's like, like block. it's just, it's just all the information about this thing. Block, you know, uh, one, zero, two, three, seven, two, oh, eight. This had like a, you know, a thousand block confirmations. It was done sometime today at 9 47 AM UTC time. And it was from some address to another address. And it was like the value of it was uh, like half an ether. It was like 133 bucks. Transaction fee was $2.5 million. Oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Oh, man, that's a fiery train wreck right there. Yeah, this was an Ethereum transaction. Uh, to send 133 bucks and pay $2.5 million in fees. Now, honestly, th- there's my fees. Let's kind of dig into this. Daniel Phillips is writing this one for Decrypt.co. Sometime clearly this morning. In the process of sending $130 over the Ethereum blockchain, someone accidentally paid $2.6 million in fees. Whoops. A the user of the Ethereum blockchain just paid $2.6 million in transaction fees to send $130 worth of ETH. That is a fee of 2 million percent. Oh. oh, it's so hard to... To see, read this, this is the most anyone has ever paid to transfer an amount of Ethereum. The transaction made just hours ago included a transfer of half an Ethereum to an address provided by cryptocurrency exchange Bithum, while 10,668 Ethereum was provided as a fee to the miners. The transaction was mined by Pool, one of the largest Ethereum mining pools in current operation. The $2.6 million transaction fee has since been sent to Sparkpool's Ethereum address, where it distributes funds to its wide array of miners. The mining fee hasn't been handed out yet. And then there's a tweet from Sparkpool that says, We are further investigating the incident of unusually high transaction fee, and you are welcome to provide clues to support at sparkpool.com. Sparkpool has had the experience of handling similar issues properly. There will be a solution in the end. And that's the, end of the tweet. Um, There is little known about the person who sent the transaction paying such a large fee. Previously, their account has sent a number of payments to crypto exchange BitThumb, but that's about it. Ethereum users are in complete control of their transaction fees. They can choose how much they want to pay and have a transaction included in the block. The more they pay, the more likely their transaction will be processed quickly, but there's no reason to pay anything more than a few bucks. There are a number of potential reasons why this excessive fee might have occurred. Arguably, the simplest and most likely reason is that this unfortunate individual intended to send $2.6 million in ETH with $100 worth of fees, but accidentally switched the two fields. But there are a few puzzling factors. For one, the transaction was added to the block first. Generally, transactions are added to blocks in order of their gas price, which would make sense in this case, but the other transactions in the block are not ordered by gas price. This could suggest that the transaction was created by someone at Sparkpool and deliberately included in the block. The other strange factor is that the person who sent the transaction always used a gas price of 60 Gui for its other transactions, except this time it changed the price gas price to 500 million Gui. This suggests that someone altered it for some unknown reason. Alex Svazovic, Svanevec. I'm going with Svanevec. Founder of the data science Dow D5 told Decrypt, quote, given the distribution of gas prices set by this wallet, every single outgoing transaction has a gas price of 60 gui, except this one. I'd say this must have been some manual intervention on an otherwise programmatically controlled wallet. This isn't the first time Sparkpool has mined an unusual transaction like this one. Back in... 2019, Cointelegraph reported that the mining pool mined an Ethereum transaction with a $365,000 fee. After some communication between the unfortunate individual in the pool, Spark Pool agreed to return half of the fee. Will that happen again? Okay, so this, uh, mistake number one, doing anything with Ether. Mistake number two, well, we don't know if it's a mistake. There's some conjecture about this. Uh, let me see if I can find it again. Uh, no, that's not there. I had it somewhere. Okay, I'll, I'll just do it from memory. I ran across a couple of uh, tweets in this thread, or where the decrypt dot uh, co story uh, that I picked up came from, and somebody was suggesting that they were uh, doing it on purpose to launder, well, launder Ethereum, not quite sure how that works, but it would seem to me to require somebody on the inside at Spark pool if that was going to be something that wasn't just like we're going to try to try we're going to try this experiment with 2.6 million in ether um, without somebody on the inside, it seems like you could really screw that up and just flat ass lose 2.9 million dollars, not outside the realm of possibility but again in my opinion you would have to have an inside person at sparkpool for this to work if it is actually uh, uh done on purpose as a eth as wandering uh, instrument if it is just fat fingers god see this is why I think After that sad ass story, let's do a, let's do a dad joke. Dad says jokes has this one. A man entered his home and discovered that someone had stolen every single lamp present in the house. He was absolutely delighted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) I love these things. Okay. um y'all yeah, be be very very aware of what's going on financially around the world cuz this shit i i've been alive a while i've never seen anything like this before um it i really think that something something's going to happen and it's going to accelerate uh the disease of toxic debt and it's going to go it's going to wrap around the world probably three times or something like that. And every time it wraps around, it's going to be like more dominoes falling, more dominoes falling, more dominoes falling. Uh, You know, there's, it's just seeing the stock market do what it's doing under the circumstances that it's doing it in makes no sense. I, you can just, I mean, and again, for the people that simply want to point to the NASDAQ and say, but look, I don't know I, I don't know what you can say to somebody like that. I, I just don't. I, I guess we can try. That's all we can really do. God knows we owe it to other people that don't seem to understand that buying bankrupt companies not not a good way to to spend your stimul, stimulus check. right? So with all that said, I will see you on the other side, and the other side will be episode 250. Of Bitcoin and and at that point, I think I'm going to just determine that I've paid my dues to the to the community i I think I don't know if you don't think that I've you know paid my dues that's that's fine let me know I mean you have more you have more access to me than than you know uh you can bitch me out on Twitter all you want i i I get it fine, but two hundred and fifty seems like a good place to try to convert to something else not stopping the show. I'm just saying do something different. Anyway, um, uh, with that, I do want to ask you guys, you know, give me, you know, give me a hand, tweet the show, uh, tweet the pod, uh, you know, tweet me, follow me, like subscribe. And the best one in the world is to give me a five-star rating on Apple iTunes. If you know, if you like it, if you don't, Eh, I can't stop you from giving me a one. I'd rather have a five-star. That'd be like totally awesome because the more that I can get the show out, I might have a better chance of being able to do more stuff and devote more time to doing this. That's all I'm saying. So help a brother out, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett.